You know, I, you can define heroes in many ways. And one of my definitions is just somebody who does the right thing for the right reason. For me, they're heroes. Those are the kind of the uh, the unsung heroes, and you just don't see them. You can't point them out because you don't you don't walk a mile in their shoes. But hopefully, hopefully you've got a heart for that, right? Uh, just trying to do the right thing for the right reason, and then and then the self sacrifice and the sacrifice um, for others, and and then of course you know we grow from that too. Uh, I, I guess I'm using all that to say Kathy Trainer is one of my new heroes. Uh, she's uh, from uh, Bozeman, Bozeman EMT. And a first responder, and she she accepted this call to go over and minister medical relief on the Polish-Ukrainian border. I gave you some information on that a bit earlier in terms of, you know, 40 million-plus people in Ukraine. Five million now have been accounted for as refugees. There's still a lot of people trapped behind. Uh, there's still some that are on the run that uh, you really can't account for. But that's a large population, and two point. I think I've got that here. 2.87 million of those refugees wound up in Poland, and it happened in a short while. Let's welcome Kathy Trainer, who's back from Poland. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm good. Thank you for being here. So what was it yeah, like being you. there? You know, it was really intense. Um, it was a two-week trip, and it was kind of similar to um, – I've done – uh, a FEMA deployment before I've done wildland fire deployment and it was really similar to that style of work in terms of just like keeping your head down for 14 days um, but it was definitely the most intense thing I think I've ever done in terms of um, just emotionally being there every oh. day for the people that were coming in through the doors um, I worked in a pop-up pharmacy in the refugee center in uh, Przemysl, Poland, which is right across the border from Ukraine. And so we were receiving um, hundreds of Ukrainian refugees every day and giving out medication and then also, you know, just hearing their stories. Right. I bet you did a lot of listening. And um, and you'll, I'm sure there's pictures that are are just framed in your mind right now. What are they? I think that the thing that was the most immediate to me when I walked in the doors for the first time in the center was just the look on people's faces and the look in their eyes. And it's really hard to describe what this look was because I'd never really seen it before. It's like pure shock. It's like the, just the most stressed out faces you've ever seen in your life. You know, kids, animals, um, adults, older people all had this look of just extreme stress, anxiety, distress, but really just shock. And most people were not ready to talk about what had happened to them. Um, some people were, and of course, we were very ready to receive them and talk to them and, um, you know, just listen. Um, but for the most part, people were still in this total shock phase of, you know, what just happened to me? I'm in Poland now, and I have to figure out where I'm going to go for the next, um, you know, several months or you know, unforeseen amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, we can try to have um, empathy for that, but uh, I mean, that's a good description. I, I just don't know that we can understand that until you're in that situation. And I don't want anybody to be in that, in that situation. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they are getting help. A lot of those, uh, of course, Ukraine um, is on the Western or Eastern border of Poland, uh, you know, Poland on the Eastern border of Ukraine. Uh, there was a lot of fighting um, in the south and, and more toward the east. Uh, what was the condition of those refugees? Um, how far did they come? Um, and uh, what were their immediate needs? 
So they really came from all over. We had, especially in my final few days of work, we had a lot of arrivals from Mariupol. Um, and we had people from Mariupol that were coming in pretty much the entire time that just had absolutely insane stories. We had a lot of people that came from the Donbass, you know, which is another region that's under really intense violence right now. We had people from Zaporizhia, where one of the nuclear plants are. We had people from Kiev. We didn't really have anyone from Lviv because Lviv is considered to be one of the, you know, quote, safer uh, places to be in Ukraine right now. But even a few days ago, it was shelled and six people died. So for the most part, people were coming out of the highest intensity regions. Also, Kharkiv, which has been hit pretty hard, was um, an area with a lot of arrivals. And their immediate need, I suppose, was just to find some shelter, right? Right. Um, You know, they were seeking safety and they had come out of really extreme circumstances. And a lot of people would show up and they said, you know, I can't stop thinking about the sounds of, you know, of the bombing. I can't stop thinking about the sounds of guns. A lot of people had been shot at on civilian evacuation buses and um, other vehicles. You know, everyone, for the most part, had seen pretty extreme violence. I will also say that the people that were coming into the refugee center tended to not have a lot of resources. They were coming with very little and people in Ukraine that had money found other ways to get themselves out. Um, You know, people that had visas for other countries like the United States were able to, some of them, get themselves to those places. So the people that we were seeing in the center did not have really huge means. Was Poland pretty organized? Uh, I know that there were countries involved, European Union, the United Nations was in there. Um, it This conflict was not pre-announced, so to speak. Maybe they could see it coming, but in the first few days, it just seems like it can be chaos. And I know um, you weren't there exactly in the first few days, but um, how, how did the operation run? So I would say that by the time I got there, things were about as organized as they could be. Um, so my organization that I worked with came to Poland within the first week. Um, they went to the refugee center and they set up this pharmacy pretty much from scratch. And, you know, I say pharmacy kind of loosely because the medications that we had were just like, we had them all in bins and they were in all these different European languages. So it was not, that was not organized at all. The way that the refugee center was by the time I arrived was a pretty well organized operation, but it, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it smooth by any means. Like we had tables in there from different European countries. So the way that it would work is the refugees would show up on buses and then that was like decision point number one for them. So they escaped this big uh, traumatic experience and then they had to decide where am I going to go? And so they would go to one of these tables for different countries within the EU, like Spain, Portugal, the Nordic countries, Germany, and sign up for a bus to take them there. So they would spend between one and four nights in that center before moving on on one of the buses. So that process was, I would say, pretty well organized. But, you know, it was like different country flags were duct taped to the wall. And, you know, everything was very informal. And, you know, it, it, it felt chaotic. But at the same time, it had been around long enough that it was running in a certain kind of a way. And there were a lot of international volunteers that were working in the center. And it was completely run by volunteers, but managing it, overseeing it, working 24 hours a day, just making sure that there weren't any problems. And then the Polish police were also there. So there was like a police presence. There would usually be like a pair of people walking around all day long. And then um, a couple of members of the Polish uh, army that would guard the entrances and make sure that 
the only people getting in were refugees or people with identification like me who were working in the center. What are the supply chains like, um, life-saving supplies, things like that? You know, for us, um, we and the Red Cross were the only medical resources in the center, and we were pretty under-resourced the entire time. The only way that we were able to get supplies in, at least for our group, was by, um, you know, we could make requests to people that we knew within Poland. We could go out and buy things at the pharmacy, and then I showed up with five duffel bags of medical material, and most other people that were coming um, in our group also brought as many medical supplies as possible. But, you know, that was really hard because you have to get it together ahead of time. You have to pack it up. And then I ended up spending um, almost $700 in bag fees um, at the airport, which was unexpected and hard, you know, because this was like fundraised money. So the supply chain on the ground was, I would say, basically non-existent. Like we could go get things, basic things at the pharmacy, but Poland was running out of things like insulin. Um, It was harder to find certain medications. So we tried to bring as much as we could with us. But again, that came with a pretty hefty price tag for everybody on our team. Wow. I want to, you can stand by for a few minutes, I understand. And I know I got to take a break, but I want to come on back and ask why Poland? Uh, Not just from your perspective. I know that you have um, personal connections there through people uh, that you're associated with in Bozeman. We'll talk about that. UkraineRelieffEffort.org. and, uh, and we have in the past, so if people want to continue to help here, that's the, the site to put down, UkraineRelieffEffort.org. And, again, that's the grassroots one that's uh, coming from Bozeman, Montana. But uh, why Poland? 2.87 million of – and that's more than half of, uh, so far, the accounted-for uh, refugees, or at least the accounted refugees. So we're back with more here in just a little bit. Have you heard of Far Enough, Sun Prairie, or Powderville? Like Montana Livestock, Ed Credit's customers, my family is from all over Montana. Hi. I'm Aaron Oxart. Montana Livestock Ag Credit is an ag lending corporation owned by the borrowers and directed by nine board members that are producers from areas like Tudot, Weibo, and Whitewater. Give us a call at 800-332-3405, where our only line of business is and always has been financing farmers and ranchers from all over Montana. Or check us out at ag-credit.com. Tom Schultz back alongside with Kathy Trainer, a Bozeman EMT and a first responder, just returned back from a couple of weeks uh, in Poland there as part of um, the Ukrainian uh, relief effort.org. Well, actually, um, Kathy, m- maybe you can talk about um, the organization that got you there and, and why Poland? Because as I said, going in, 5 million refugee, uh, refugees, two point, almost 2.9 million um, ended up in that country. So I actually worked with two organizations to be able to go on this trip. Uh, the first one, of course, was Ukraine Relief Effort in Bozeman, and they did an incredible job of supporting me the whole way through. Um, Karolina is from Poland, and she and Kathy Birch are the two uh, leads of this nonprofit. And it's been incredible to see what they've done in you know a matter of weeks. They've created a nonprofit from scratch. They've fundraised, they supported me on my trip, and they're planning on going themselves um, this summer. They've also developed a relationship with a city in Ukraine, and I'm just beyond impressed by their level of professionalism and dedication. It's been incredible to work with them. Um, The other organization that I worked with that um, I was working with while I was over there is called the Global Disaster Relief Team, which is a group of Russian-American medical providers. So we all spoke Russian and we all had some level of 
uh, medical background that we were able to use on this trip. So those are the two organizations that I partnered with. And Poland being the country that has seen the biggest influx of refugees was the obvious choice. Um, it's a NATO country. It's pretty easy to get to. And that seemed to be the center of the action um, in terms of relief effort. Um, Poland and Romania. Romania was kind of the second. But Poland being the biggest uh, destination for refugees was our focus. Yeah, Romania, 770,000, 70, 70, uh, 500,000 went to Russia. Hungary also is housing about that number, too. What's left? We're gonna. Uh, I got a couple of minutes here. I, are you going back? What's left to be done there? So there's so much that's left to be done. I mean, this is really the beginning of all of it. There are all these refugees coming. There are going to be more coming. And eventually, someday when the war ends, there's going to be a huge rebuilding effort. I mean, this is going to be uh, a something that the whole world is going to have to work on for years to come. I am planning on going back. I am looking forward to volunteering with refugees this summer. Um, I'll be living in Austria. Um, and then I also have a window of time in May that I'm hoping to be able to go back either to the U.S.-Mexican border or uh, back to Poland um, to work in the refugee center again. In terms of what needs to be done, I think that, you know, it's, it's one thing to read the news and see what's going on. And it's another to be really in that experience and to see how much people are suffering. Um, Ukrainians are really peaceful people. They're kind people. I met so many wonderful, wonderful people who had to leave their country, you know, later in life. There were a lot of older people. There were grandmothers that were alone that didn't have any family with them. And the amount of trauma is just astounding. And it really changes your perspective on the war. And I, I think we can say that a lot needs to be done and not necessarily just from a defense perspective. Um, but, you know, the U.S. could be doing a whole lot more in terms of supporting this whole situation in a humanitarian way. Um, our little pharmacy was the only U.S. flag bearing thing that was in this refugee center. And we were all asking ourselves, like, well, you know, where where is everybody? Um, there are a lot of Americans that came and volunteered of their own um, deciding and supported their trips themselves. Um, but there was nothing really organized from our country that we ever saw over there. And this is frustrating for us. So I yeah. think that there could be a lot more that could be done in that way. And there probably will be. I mean, uh, that is a European country. We're part of NATO. Uh, but uh, I appreciate that perspective, too. Kathy, yeah. thanks for what you, you, you've done and for what you do. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's an honor, truly.